So, as I've said on this podcast before, me and my sister work together. Yeah. And we talk about our childhood, mm-hmm. you know? And one conversation that got brought up was Kyla had just read an article that said we, parents should be using the, like, anatomical terms for penis and vagina yeah. with their children. Uh-huh. And then that got us on our conversation of what we used to say as children. Okay. And we didn't say penis much as children. Or, like, any alternative to that, because uh-huh. it was a house full of women. Full of women. <laughs> so, like, why do we need to point that out? No reason. But the term we used for vagina mm-hmm. was go-go, which is the Ponapan word. Oh. But we both talked about then growing up, uh-huh. and there was a Old Navy commercial once that said something about go-go boots. <laughs> <laughs> and my little brain was like... Vagina boots? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I like couldn't uh, comprehend it, but like from context, I knew they weren't vagina boots. Right? They were just white, like knee high boots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Vagina boots. <laughs> I imagine that was very confusing. It was very, it was so confusing that I'm tw- a 23 year old woman and I still remember it. <laughs> like, it was just one of those things that impacted me. That's great. And s- still, even now when I hear go-go, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, oh, it's fine. <laughs> they just right. mean. It's like in, uh, f- like, fanny. Using the word oh, fanny. Yep. Like In the UK. In the UK. Yeah. Which it, is not mean tuckus. It doesn't mean tuckus. It means go-go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a fanny pack in England, and they're like, excuse me, you mean bum bag. <laughs> I don't carry bumps in it. You don't carry fannies in it either. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, hold on. I carry, I have my fanny pack in the front. Yeah. Like, it's not a bum I mean, bag. It's, it is it, a fanny pack. It literally pack. is a fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. What a... Ugh, that's good. <laughs> Speaking of younger sisters, Jim, who is our very faithful listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who I talked to about at work, the, you know, the show about... I talk about the show at work all the time with him. <laughs> yes. And okay. uh, happened to, like, walk over and say good morning and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how's, uh, you know, how's your how's your evening? What'd you do? He's like, well, I ate cat food. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Excuse he me. Was, long story short, he was feeding his cat, like, from a can. Mm-hmm. And absentmindedly stuck the spoon in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, which made me giggle really hard. And then I told him that I used to make my sister eat, like, cat food, like, little kibbles. Why? Well, because if she wanted me to, like, do something or sometimes I would just be, like... such an older sister. (laughs) It's it's just a little crude protein. It's fine. But also, then I told him one time, you know those little color tabs... That you use for dying Easter eggs. Yeah. Well, I made her eat one of those ones. <gasps> and then she had, like, a purple or blue mouth for, uh-huh. like, three days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was her poop purple? I... Probably, right? Don't... I was it personal? <laughs> look, I don't know. I've pooped blue before. Yeah. I've told Which, you that And story. that was from the Peep Oreos, right? Ew, No. Oh, no, it was from the Blue Hawaiian... It's from Bro- Blue Hawaiian Bunch. <laughs> Who... There was somebody who peeped... Peep poop. Poop. <laughs> poop. Pink. He poop. He poop. Pooped pink because of the 
the peep Oreos because it has so much color dye. Yeah, in it. yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, she might have, but wow. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. I used to make her eat all sorts of things. Chels, I'm real sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Cassie, did you know you're a bad person? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In all fairness, she's taller than me and no. stronger than me. As a, even, even now. And so. I don't know she, where you're going with look, this, but it's No, no, not. no. She beat me up with, we were pretty, we were pretty violent with each other. Mm-hmm. She chased me with like a broom handle and like beat me with it once. Was this before or after you made her eat cat food? <laughs> it was probably several years after. <sighs> that was unplanned, but I really liked it. <laughs> me too. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. This is uh, That Broad's Got Moxie. Yep. That Broad's Got Moxie. We're here. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, Kiana. That's Keeks. I'm Kiana. Uh, uh, I'm Cassie. <laughs> that's Cassie. <laughs> We're here. Danny's here. Just chilling. Mm-hmm. Just a little while ago, I would have blown her ears out because I yelled oh. really loud into the microphone. <laughs> it was... Danny had just taken her ear headphones out uh-huh. of her head and was holding them in two hands. Cassie yelled into the microphone and I could hear it from where I was we sitting. hear it echo. <laughs> and now I just, now I know what Danny goes through. And what she a lives with me. I'm so loud all the time. Uh, all right. What week is it? What episode is this? 32. 31. 33. 33. <laughs> I was so close. I was. No, you weren't. Yeah, I had the essence of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't exactly have it spot on. But you know, I was there. Yeah. So it's odd. So you go first this week. I sure do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> what if I just didn't tell my story? <laughs> I was like, like, yep, I go first. What the fuck are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Just 20 minutes of dead air. <laughs> So, All right, who are you talking about this are week? Are wearing my mood ring? You are. Yeah, well, I told you. I, I know you were wearing rings. I just didn't know which one it was. And I was like, I don't have a ring that color. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's my mood ring. If I don't like your story, I'll hold it up. <laughs> and the mood ring will tell you how I'm feeling about the story. <laughs> okay. Although I don't think it's working. Mm. I don't know. You can't see but I'm looking at this mood ring. Anyways, this week... <laughs> Tell me. I'm talking about the Iara. Iara? Mm-hmm. I-A-R-A. I-A-R-A. Okay. So my sources are rejectedprincess.com, which, yeah, I'm probably going to buy the book. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I it's downloaded really... the ebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm about... I, I use them as a source enough that I'm like, I should give them money. <laughs> <laughs> That would be good of me to do. Yeah. Realmermaids.net, fantasywriting.com, and Wikipedia. Oh, I love mermaids. (laughs) I'm really excited about this. So today I'm going to talk to you about Iara, as I said, and it's a mermaid-like creature from Brazilian mythology that is also called the Mei das Aquas, or the Mother of the Waters. Ooh. And like, like many myths, there are a few different claims of origin, mm-hmm. and the story is kind of short. Okay, but I've packed it 
with some other stuff and you'll see. Beautiful. Okay. And also, I, t- <laughs> I literally, because um, we're in Brazil and I took two Brazilian classes when I was in college. Oh, okay. So I took an Amazon rainforest class and then I took a modern Brazil class. Which is on fire right now. Yeah. Which is devastating. We'll get to that. Oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> but um, <coughs> I've... I went to some of my old essays and took it and threw it in there. <laughs> oh, so I should probably name another source. Okay. Oh, I didn't write it down. Anyways. essays <clears throat> on Brazil. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. So, the modern day view of the Iara has been established by a Brazilian poet named Gonclavis Diaz, who named her by combining, combining two words from native Tupi language. So... Ig meaning water and Iara, which means lord or lady. So, oh, lady okay. of the water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in addition, huh? I said sorry. I said that's a good movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to her female mermaid form, uh, natives also preserved a mythos about her original snake spirit, which is called the Mbauco. I'm butchering that. Okay. And it's really hard to find. Pronunciation, pronunciation on na- in native indigenous yeah. languages on the Amazon. But um, the spirit, the snake spirit is believed to be a personification of, quote, troublemakers and misfortune. Hmm. So this telling I was going to go into, but of course it's harder <laughs> to yeah. find source material on that due to language barriers, um, access to the internet in the Amazon, mm-hmm. and also some native desires to keep mythology and Close to their culture. Exactly. Which I respect and I understand, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, most believe that her story was created by combining Tupi and Guarani mythology with water snake spirits and possibly the African goddess of Mama Wata and uh, Yemaya. Okay. So, a lot of... Brazil has a lot of history in the slave trade. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that's why African culture is... Really prominent in that's, Brazilian that's culture. That's right. Um, others would believe that the myth of Yara is also probably an intermingling of European myths and the river goddess worship. So that's why she's kind of similar to the story of, like, sirens. Oh, okay. So, that, like... Yes. Why there's, she- there's European influence. There's African influence. Mm-hmm. Indigenous. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. And before settler, settlers brought Catholicism and the patriarchy to Brazil, <laughs> uh, natives widely worshipped female deities as well as females in society. However, a key part of consolidating power and forcing indigenous people to insim- assimilate to European values was really to alter fundamental parts of education and storytelling. In fact, in settler attempts to consolidate national unity in the 19th century, they used history and education as a tool to revise history and storytelling. So this revision of the historical narrative was created as a means for white supremacy. Quote, this portrait of Brazilian independence locks out of the nationalist imagery all those who did not participate in the formal process of independence. So non-participants include those without ties to Portuguese heritage and indigenous people who were further labeled as savage by settlers. Uh-huh. That's, like, gotcha. directly taken out of a presentation. <laughs> that was very academic. I appreciate that. Thank you. Straightening my tie. I didn't never wear a tie. 
Um, so in many myths, including the one I'm about to tell you, demonizing the women in mythology became normal rather than depicting them as caring or loving. Uh, because of this, there's a bit of an alternate story that I'll add on that is commonly told. So we get two okay. endings. Oh, okay. To this story. So let the story begin. Okay. That's just what I'm going to say. All right. We're in. We're settled. So Iara was not always a mermaid. Uh, her story begins in the coastal region of what we now know as Brazil. At the time, it belonged to the Tupi tribe where she lived, and not only where she lived, where she thrived. <laughs> Iara was the only daughter uh, to the tribe's spiritual leader. She was a highly skilled young lady that grew to be the best warrior in the area. Hmm. She was highly regarded as courageous, kind, fair, and strong by those around her, and not only was she admired for her temperament and skills, but she was also regarded as a great beauty. She had long, flowing black hair, shining green eyes, and a beautiful tanned skin. She sounds lovely. Uh, she could really do no wrong and was considered the pride of the tribe. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Iara had two brothers that grew jealous of her, obviously, mm-hmm. and they felt overshadowed. One night, they decided that they could no longer live in her shadow and planned to kill her. They had to be smart about it, though, because even though it was two against one... They had one rule, and that was, do not underestimate Iara. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Good plan. So, they came up with this, this plan, and instead of attacking her in the daytime, they would sneak into her room at night and stab her. Surely this would work, uh, they yeah, thought. Naturally. So, the night comes, and the brothers tiptoe into her room, ready to attack. But guess what? They broke the only rule that they set and <laughs> underestimated her. <laughs> so, in the middle of their attack, uh-huh. Iara woke up. She sprang into action, defended herself, and killed both of her brothers in the process. Oh, shit! Yeah. Don't underestimate her. No. And if you do, you're probably going to die. Like they did. Yeah. Yeah. So, the next day, her father saw what happened, but misunderstood the context. As what often happens. Uh-huh. All he saw was two dead sons. Yeah. And he believed Iara had killed them unprovoked. And didn't listen to her when she was like, no, but like, they uh, came into my room. <laughs> I defended myself because they were going to straight up murder my ass. Yeah. And so she murdered them. And now yeah. she's in trouble. Uh-oh. So she claimed self-defense, but soon the whole tribe was against her. And so she had to run away. She was able to elude them for quite some time before they caught up to her, and once apprehended, they threw her into a nearby river where she began to drown. In the water, the fish took note of her beauty and took pity on her. So they transformed her into a half-fish, half-human person, Mm -hmm. thus birthing the first of an entire branch of river-dwelling mermaids called Iara. Wow. Yeah. I... Look... I think it's really lovely that the fish were like, oh, but she's so pretty. We need to save her. (laughs) I think it's weird that fish think humans are pretty. (laughs) (laughs) My cat thinks I'm pretty. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I I would like to request a drawing at this moment (laughs) of just the opposite of what we think of mermaids. (laughs) (laughs) I want a fish head and human legs. Have you? Okay. Have you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? I don't think so. I th- you I get, should I get watch Cabin it. in the Woods and Last House on the Left confused, and I've seen one of them. One of them is funny 
And almost like a horror slash dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Which one? Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> okay. I don't think... I think that's the one I haven't seen. Okay. You have to, because there's Merman in it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Who will fucking ruin your day. Aw. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's a killer. I can't answer that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> Just watch it. It's good. I will. Okay. No, you won't. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else told me to watch Cabin in the Woods recently. Yeah. And I didn't know if it's the one that I had seen or not. You know what? Fall's and it's coming def- up. It's definitely not the one I've seen if it has a mermaid in it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's almost that season. It this is. will probably oh, cut. Co- I mean, this is coming out in like a month from when we're recording it right it now. It is that season. So, it, technically right now, it is. We're closing in on that season. So. I'm really excited. We're just going to bust out the horror movies. Pumpkin spice lattes. Because <gasps> I don't Me have to too. make them. Yeah. Also, I have a thought. Side note. Mm-hmm. Look, I do not like the term basic bitch. Because <laughs> I love a fuzzy sweater. Who doesn't? They're warm and they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And pumpkin spice lattes are just delicious. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Basic bitch or not, I poo-poo that term. And I say, fucking do what you like. Drink all that pumpkin spice. Let people girl. like things. Exactly. Doesn't matter. Okay, that's all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> back, to the, back to the mermaid. <laughs> you know, at the end of the story, I'm going to say something about pumpkin spice. Yes. That really gets on, that really grinds my gears. Okay. But until then. Until then, mermaids. Until then. We're, we're, what happened? She was just transformed. Yes. Oh, as a mer- mermaid, Yara maintained her beauty, but her gorgeous black hair became a shining green Similar to the color of the river that she swam. Ooh! <laughs> She's a bad bitch. She got green hair and green eyes. Ooh. Mm. Um, so when men would chance upon her in the waters, they would be so overcome by her beauty and her singing voice that they would be driven to madness and desire to be with her. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like the siren European myth. Yeah. So some men could escape, but they would literally be driven insane by the memory of her and their inability to, like, be with her. Uh Uh-huh. Other times, once men laid eyes on her, they would attempt to enter the water to be with her, and once they reached her, she would trap them. Oh. And now this is where the deviation happens. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in the, like, original story, or, quote, like, original as we think of it, Uh Iara... Once she captured the men, they would then turn into mermen. Okay. And they would join her in her aquatic harem in the river. Yeah, girl. (laughs) And she would, like, genuinely love the men that she captured. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was, like, she's immortal, but they're not. So she's destined to always be, like, sad Uh because they would then die. Gotcha. And then she'd have to live live by herself. Uh and Yeah. I think that's a nice little story. Yeah. In another version of the story, she once she would lure men into the water, she would just drown them, and then in some cases, eat their corpses. Mmm. Delicious. I mean, girls gotta eat. Yeah. She can't eat other fish. Yeah, they helped her Cannibalism. out. I mean, well, yeah, I suppose eating we people had two is... Different, we had two good shit. points. <laughs> Our Maybe minds were in different places. help like manatees. <laughs> I don't think they have kelp in the river. She's a river mermaid. That's going to be a big river. It's the Amazon. Oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> they got big-ass rivers in there. Uh, 
There's an island. At, look, I don't know. There's an island at the end of the Amazon River that's bigger than Switzerland. The country? Yeah. Shit, that's a big one. It's a big... No, it's big. I... In really? My, when I took the Amazon rainforest class, the first week, the teacher just was like, okay, I need you guys to understand that the Amazon is really fucking big. And I was in... The massiveness of it yeah. sent me into a spiral. I was like, it's too okay. big. Look, that's <laughs> where mom? piranhas live, right? Yeah. In the Amazon? I mean, yeah. among other places? Yeah. Okay. But also, am I confusing Switzerland with Sweden? Because Sweden's be. big. Yeah. <laughs> Sweden's like huge. Yeah, Switzerland yeah. is in Europe. Okay. Swi- Thank you. That I was like, hold the phone. <laughs> Sweden's enormous. What, what, what the hell kind of island are we talking about? Greenland sized? <laughs> They're also like river dolphins in the Amazon. Yeah, yeah. The, so it's big. Yeah, they got the big long, the big long things, big long beaks. Nose. Nose. Thank you. <laughs> the word you're looking for. Okay. Cassie was trying to mime to me what was happening, and she was touching her nose. <laughs> she had one on herself. And just couldn't think of it. Look, okay. I've seen a lot of Naked and Afraid, and they go to the Amazon sometimes, and it looks very scary. I would hate that. Yeah. It's so, oh my Six God. hours of being naked in the Amazon, I'd be like, done. Take me home. I tried. <laughs> Uh, six hours of just being naked. I'm down outside. with that as long as I'm in my house. Well, and yeah, I have outside a, a of cocktail. your home, though. <laughs> yeah, outside. And also, like, bug bites on your everythings. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay, I'm sorry. Also, killer mermaids. Killer- Back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I am at a lot of... So in... The story of her drowning and killing them mm-hmm. is much more popular. Okay. Um, and so any misfortunes that occur in the vicinity in the vicinity of the water that she's in is attributed to her. They're just odd. The, this guy died on the riverbank. Must have been a mermaid. Yep. Exactly. Fucking Yara's up to, up to no good again. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And even today, natives of Amazonia fear her and avoid traveling near lakes and rivers at night. According to their beliefs, she is responsible for the death of thousands of people and has destroyed hundreds of ships. Wow. Yes. That's quite a quite a list. Quite a body count. Quite a body count. Thank you. Now I'm going to divert from the story a little. Okay. Maybe a lot. Maybe entirely. Are we talking about Ariel? No. Okay. <laughs> you guys, you and you and Danny were talking about Ariel, and I was like, oh, that's true. does Danny know that Keeks is talking about mermaids? Because she's just spouting off mermaid things in the other room. I think that was just a coincidence. Oh. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something a little more serious, because we are in the Amazon. Yes. And it is currently on fire. So, the story I just told was an indigenous story, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of love and respect for indigenous tribes in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, I would like to take this time to bring attention to the fire, to the current fires in the Amazon. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, they're out. Yeah. But I want to talk about who it's affecting, and that is the tribes in the Amazon that the story has come from. Thank you. <clears throat> I appreciate this. Yes. So, First off, in the 16th century, there is believed to be about 2,000 different tribes in Brazil. Wow. Nowadays, there are about 200. 
and those numbers are steadily declining. Hmm. Their homes are in the Amazon, and they have been facing years and years of just oppression. (laughs) Yeah. And they have been doing the best to protect their lands, but because the Brazilian government values economic growth over literally the world's most valuable natural resource that we don't even know a lot about in terms of, like, ecology. Yeah, because it's so fucking huge. It produces, what is it? 20% 20% of the world's fucking oxygen? Yeah. It is the it is the Earth's lungs. Yeah. It's it, what's what they're called. <sighs> and the indigenous people are really the only people who understand it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not in the way that we want them to communicate to us, they yeah. know the wildlife. They know what's poisonous. They know what's not. They know... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lived there for centuries. Exactly. I highly recommend the book Savages by Joe Kane which really illustrates the struggle of what they have to go through just to fight for their lands and receive justice for what's been done to them. In the case of that book, they refer to transnational companies drilling for oil in the Amazon. And though it ends open-ended, because by the time the book was published, the case wasn't, the Uh lawsuit wasn't closed, Uh I can assure you that it was in this year, it was in July, that the case was finally settled. Oh, my God. And keep in mind that the lawsuit was formally filed in 1933. Uh, 1993. Sorry. Okay. The court case is literally older than I am. Oh, my fucking God. And in that time, the destruction to the tribe was the... It's the Warani, so it's not the Tupi. But uh-huh. the destruction to that indigenous tribe was... It's irreversible. Yeah, over fucking 26 years. Yeah. And it was for the amount of oil that they got from their lands uh-huh. would have provided the U.S. with 13 days of gasoline. That's it? That's it. And oh my gosh. Des- destroyed an entire homeland. They're still alive, though. And they're still fighting. And I Yeah, really... but they've had to yeah. pack up and move and, you know, disrupt everything that they've been doing for hundreds of years. Yeah. And that's one case of how how convoluted the system is uh-huh. to try and get any sort of reparations or justice. Oh, that's one. That's one tribe <clears throat> among many. Mm-hmm. Current president of Brazil, Bo- Bo- Bolsonaro. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting mad. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, Bolsonaro has made it clear in his actions that he only wants to intensi- intensify this reign of terror against the indigenous people of the Amazon. He has gutted all federal protection agencies and has had the Bureau of Indigenous Affairs, which is a bureau largely made up of non-natives. He's had them give signals to ranchers, miners, and loggers to do what they want with the Amazon without punishment. So there are laws, oh, but if man. there's no enforcement of the laws, what's the point yeah. of them? This has caused intense deforestation efforts on behalf of these companies, and this is how the fire started. These fires in the Amazon are 100% intentional. It is not a natural forest fire. This fire has been set by the fascist Brazilian government and agribusiness and ranching oligarchs that hold power in the country. Bolsonaro has gone public recently, this week, Mm -hmm. and has accused non-governmental organizations of setting the fires (laughs) for publicity. And this is un- what? unfucking true. <laughs> because why the fuck in this era of climate emergency would anybody fucking do that? <laughs> no, can't. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's. He's not great. This is a barefaced ploy by Bolsonaro to try and avoid blame. Now, 
I'm not going to just harbor about how terrible things okay. are. What we can do. Okay. You can donate to Amazon Watch, Amazon Conver- Conservation Team, or the Rainforest Trust. These charities have a pretty high rating on the Charity Navigator website that basically, and this website ensures that the money donated to charities is being used. Is going to those charities. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to donate to another charity that you've heard of that is currently fighting the fighters, I I really, really encourage you to look it up on Charity Navigator first because you want to know what your money is going Mm -hmm. towards and you want it to be productive. Yeah. I understand times be tough. And if you don't have extra money to spare, Mm -hmm. you should be smart with your purchases. Make sure that if you eat meat, you know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. A lot of the land that is being cleared is for cattle farms. If you can, go to a local butcher to get your meat. Mm -hmm. It's a fun trip, and it usually has local meat. So not only are you diverting dependency on Brazilian meat, you're supporting two local businesses, the farm and the butcher shop. Absolutely. If you're a vegetarian or vegan... Please, for the love of God, stop eating soy products. (laughs) Amen. Soy is bad for you. Yes. And also, a lot of the land in the Amazon is being cleared for soy farms specifically. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of alternatives for meats, milks, and cheeses that do not contain any soy. And you should do that. (laughs) You should find those. Preach, girl! Also, this is for people on every diet. Soy is in a lot of things. It's in everything. It's in everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe take some extra time from your shopping trip to read labels on things just to see what it contains and make smarter purchases Mm -hmm. because we are wholly dependent on soy and that's one of the main reasons why the Amazon is being burned down. Mm -hmm. This is a very heavy situation and however you deal with anxiety, helplessness, and stress brought on by something that we as individuals really cannot help, I encourage you to do it. So I really hope that you guys are writing about things and whatever Mm -hmm. poetry just like articles journaling exactly Mm -hmm. write about it create art read books and educate yourself because really that's all we have at this point Mm -hmm. and that's honestly why i decided to talk about this (laughs) because this is my way to cope and i think what's happening can be prevented if there's just some coordinated efforts yeah and if we start the things that we do, mm-hmm. like if all of us became vegan, it's not going to be as impactful as if we start going after these corporations. Exactly. Like the, every, I think there's, I think a, a big problem with when things like this happen is everybody thinks, well, this extreme mm-hmm. is going to fix all the problems or this extreme is going to fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. And it's not. the The problem here is not... That there are some meat eaters Mm -hmm. and that there are some vegans Mm -hmm. and they both have arguments against the other. Mm -hmm. The problem is not the consumers in general. Yeah. The problem is these giant corporations who don't give a shit. Who we are giving money to Exactly. Hand over foot. Just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Look, (laughs) I'm so happy that you... I shared some things on... I recently figured out how to add things to my story just by sharing them. (laughs) (laughs) On Instagram. On Instagram. And then our beautiful friend, Abby, shared the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if that's all you can do, then that's all you can do. But plus, be, try and be a smart consumer. Mm -hmm. Know where your money is going. Know where you're getting your products from. Mm -hmm. 
And just educating yourself yeah. if that's all you can do. Yeah. That's been a great PSA. Danny's given you a round of applause. A very Thanks. quiet round of applause. I snuck in a mermaid story to talk about politics. I look. <laughs> because that's what I, that's very on brand for me. <laughs> it is. And I appreciate it. You grabbed us, you pulled us in with mermaids, and then shut shit down with the Amazon. And I was, yes, girl. To lighten things up a bit. Here's my pumpkin spice rant. Oh, yes. People get mad at pumpkin spice because it doesn't have pumpkin in it. Okay. To be very clear, pumpkin spice is its own flavor that you can buy in a seasoning bottle. Yeah. So things do not need to contain pumpkin to be pumpkin spice. No. And people hounded Starbucks so hard that they literally changed their recipe a few years back. And I just want people to brighten up. And realize that sake. pumpkin spice isn't pumpkin. <laughs> no, it's a it's a spice mix that you're supposed to put in pumpkin pie. Exactly. There's also fucking apple, like apple, apple pie, pie spice. Come well, on, come people, on. educate yourself on this specific. Forget about all that Amazon stuff. <laughs> we are t- we are dying on this hill of pumpkin. Oh spice. my god, <laughs> dying on every hill. Pumpkin spice doesn't need to have pumpkin in it. Preach. And you not liking pumpkin is not a valid reason to dislike pumpkin spice. That's right. If you don't like nutmeg, completely understandable. <laughs> but make that your point. Cinnamon nut your jam? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of trash. Cinnamon's delightful. <laughs> That's all I had. Oh, I'm very fired up right now. <sighs> I'm getting the underboob sweats. Me too. Somebody say something about Reagan. I dare you. <laughs> I'll destroy you right now. Are you watching Mindhunter? Not yet. Okay. I'm, I'm... Well, in one of the episodes, there's a picture <laughs> There's a picture of Reagan on the wall behind the director of the FBI's desk. Mm-hmm. And Danny goes, don't fucking start with me on Reagan. <laughs> I was trying to write down people who I want to cover. Mm-hmm. And I briefly was like, maybe I should do Margaret Thatcher. I'll get heated. <laughs> But I should do it. And uh-huh. then Zez was like, why don't you just go over, go all the way and do Nancy? Um, uh, you know, we don't say her last name. Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Nancy. Fucking Nancy. Who are you doing today? Don't try to say Nancy Reagan. <laughs> God damn it. That was so Change funny. story. <laughs> I can't. I almost peed my pants last week. All right. So let me introduce this. I am not only reading... The uh, book, I've, I have, ah! <laughs> that happened last night too. <laughs> I'm trying to read. So the Rejected Princesses, mm-hmm. which is a great book. I also am go- going to buy it. He's, they have two. I think it's cheap. Oh yeah. There's, they have two books. There's two volumes. One is just called Rejected Princesses uh-huh. and one's called Tough Mothers. Oh, I, th- I haven't read that one, but I was playing online the other night. Anyway, but also... I'm listening to a book called Princesses Behaving Badly. And it's real stories from history without the fairy tale endings. And it is by Intrigue. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's by Linda Rodriguez McRobbie. And so I've been listening to this book all week. So this week's episode and next week's episode are both women that I had only ever heard about listening to this book. Okay. And so listening to the story, 
and then went on and Wikipedia'd some things mm-hmm. and just read a bunch of different articles. But the Wikipedia ar- article on mm-hmm. the person I'm going to talk about today was particularly good. Oh. So, today, part one. Part <laughs> yes. <laughs> today, I'm talking about Malinche. Does that name ring a bell at all? Mm-mm. Okay. Not, not ringing anything. So, La Malinche. She's also known as, like, her her actual, like, given name when she was born was Malinali. Mm-hmm. Where are we? We are in the Yucatan. Oh. We're in Mexico. Okay. Okay. Um, so, I was, I just thought it was interesting that we're both doing, like, Mesoamerican, like, mm-hmm. you know, south, south, of the, s- south of the border. South of the border. Wait, yeah. hold on. Is Mexico south of the border? I mean, it's south of our border. I know. But it's not south. Oh, I guess I was thinking of equator. It technically. And that's not a border. <laughs> Might be. Move on. <laughs> cut, cut that out. We're talking about Middle America and South America today. That is where we are. How did I confuse the equator with a border? <laughs> it's technically the border between the north and south. I know. Of but- the earth. Look, nobody's perfect. Equator is thick. <clears throat> Two C's. <laughs> it's the biggest point on Earth. You're the whitest. I can't. You know what you. I'm saying. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. She's got... She goes... She's referred by different names, mm-hmm. but the way that it was in the book and what she's known as now mm-hmm. in me- modern Mexico is Malinche. Okay. So that's what I'm going to call her. Okay, so she was born sometime between 1496 and 1501. Okay. So, pre-colonial anything. Yeah. She's born in the region between the Aztec-ruled Valley of Mexico Mm -hmm. and the Mayan states of the Yucatan. Okay. So, her tribe was somewhere in between these. She was, her family was part of the Nahua people, Mm -hmm. and we now know them as Aztecs. Okay. They were also called, like, in the past, they've also been called, like, Mexicas. Mm. Okay. Malinche was named Malinali. Like, mm-hmm. that was her given name. Um, she's named after the goddess of grass. And later was given the name, like, I don't know if it was, like, a surname. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was called occasionally Tenepal, mm-hmm. which means one who speaks much and with liveliness. Which I liked a lot. Okay. So when she was a young girl, her father, um, who was the leader of the Painala Mm -hmm. tribe, so he died. Okay. And then her mother remarries, like, another, like, tribal leader. And together, they have a son. So now she's a stepchild to, to the leader of this of the tribe and now they have a boy mm. so they don't need her around yeah so her mother women are just useless it's true um so her mother sells her <sighs> oh to god. mayan slave traders oh my god yeah just straight up is like how much will how much can i get for this one and just sends her off Rip. however that that's not all. Like she didn't just send her on her way and get money for her and then deal's done. She basically told everyone in the tribe 
that this other, like, recently deceased child mm-hmm. was her daughter. So, essentially, they faked her death. And oh. she wept over this other child, but actually sent her daughter off as okay. a slave. Okay. Yeah. Fucked up. <clears throat> Wild. So, she's off with these Mayan slave traders. So, the slavers had her for a while and then sold her to Chantal Mayans. And when she was with them, she learned their language. So, now she knows the language of her people. She knows some Mayan dialects, etc. And then after a war between the Mayans of Patanchan. Mm -hmm. Patanchan, yes. Boy, there's a lot of... (laughs) I I tried really hard to sound them out last night. And I was like, I think I'm doing okay. Anyway. So, there's a war between the Mayas and the Mexicas. And then uh, she was given with a bunch of other slaves as a tribute to the leader of the tribe in Tabasco. Okay. Okay. Like the sauce. Like the sauce. Exactly. <laughs> so she's gone. She's been three different places now. Okay. So this change of ownership forced her to learn even more languages and dialects, including Nuaha- Na- Nahuatl. Okay. Nahuatl. Okay. So, during her time as a slave, she befriended a man named Geronimo de Aguilar. Okay. Geronimo was a Spanish priest who, after being, like, washed ashore after a shipwreck, spent eight years as a slave slash prisoner of the Mayas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, they became friends, and from him, she learned... Kit... Mm, I don't know why you're looking at me. No, it's a type of Spanish. It's not, it's not like Mexican Spanish. It yeah. starts with Catalan. Oh. Yes. Okay. She learned Catalan Spanish. Okay. Spain Spanish. I have to get this straight in my mind. She learned Spanish from Geronimo. Mm-hmm. After a couple years, she was given to the Spanish as a, as a present. Okay. Okay. And then in March of 1519... Her ability to speak Spanish and her friendship with Geronimo quickly helped her become a trusted individual in this group mm-hmm. and became a key part in their expeditions. Yeah. She was a translator. She sure was. So, like I said, this is March 1519. This is when Malinche meets Hernan Cortez. Okay. Fucking Cortez. She was one of 20 slave girls given to the Spanish after losing a battle. This time she was probably in her late teens or early 20s. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) She's young. (laughs) She's very young. She's just been traded off so many Mm -hmm. times. (laughs) Right. And learned so many languages. I didn't realize. (laughs) She's been all over the place. So I'm, I just, I made a note to Mm -hmm. read this part because I have thoughts on it. So this is an excerpt from the Wikipedia thing. Which means that who knows who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it says, It isn't clear how she felt about her previous or later captors, or if she was seen as a slave by the conquerors. It seems unlikely. The Spanish sources refer to her with great respect. Bernal Diaz de Castillo constantly refers to her as, quote, great woman in his 
in his book. <laughs> I'm not going to read that whole thing. Okay. The conquerors addressed her as Doña, a title of respect reserved only for nobility, indicating that she was regarded as royalty and not as a slave. Okay. I read that <laughs> and highlighted it because I want to call attention to it. This is problematic. Yeah. Because despite what title they called her mm-hmm. or if they regarded her with respect or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how she was treated, what she was called, she was still a slave. She was Yeah. She was in the company of Cortez and had she was not given any kind of opportunity to leave. Yeah. She was there captive against her own will. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what you call her. And I was just, yeah, that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, I need to address this. <laughs> yeah. And also when you add in how lowly the Spanish thought of indigenous people. Yeah. And the fact that they probably only valued her because she spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. Maybe they valued her more than other indigenous people, but doesn't mean no. that that's the same standard no, of they're absolute... who they deemed as civilized people. Exactly. They're not treating her as a fucking equal. Yeah. They might be treating her better than the rest of the slaves. Mm-hmm. But they killed the rest of them. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> so. They killed a lot of them. <laughs> standard. The bar set low. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when she... When she was brought into the Spanish army, essentially, Mm -hmm. she was baptized. She was given the good Christian name Marina. Mm -hmm. And then Cortez gave her as a gift to one of his, like, captains. And his name was Alonso Hernandez Puerto Carrero. I like that. She's not a slave. He gave her away. Yep. (laughs) Like, (laughs) mm mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It's very We should go and change that Wikipedia entry. We Can we? The- Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> by we just need to take out... There's a lot of things that I was like, that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. None of this is relevant or accurate. There was there was a hot minute in my life where I would just read the Wikipedia, Wikipedia entries and go, this doesn't make sense. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so she's given away as a gift, but shortly after this, uh, this Puerto Carrero guy was on his way back to Spain as an emissary to uh, King Charles V. Okay. So he's gone, and Cortez basically was... Look, he didn't follow the rules of no takesies backsies. Yeah. Because he was like, look, I know I just gave her to you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. But Mm -hmm. also... You're gone. I mean, you're going to leave. I yeah. can use her. So she's yeah. going to stay here with me. Yeah. She was a priceless commodity. She spoke several languages and would be the key in his conquests. Yuck. So basically what happens is they roll up on Moctezuma, who's the leader of the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Like, the head honcho. Yeah. Right? He's in Civ 6. He is in Civ 6. <laughs> <laughs> I think you told me that before. Sorry. So, Malinche spoke to his emissaries in their native tongue, which is the Nahuatl. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then she turns around and talks to her buddy Geronimo mm-hmm. in Mayan. Okay. Okay? 
And then Geronimo takes this Mayan information, turns around and says it to Cortez in Spanish. Because at this point, she wasn't, like, 100% fluent. So... They use Geronimo as this, like, middleman, playing this fucking game of telephone. Yeah. Telling Moctezuma that (laughs) (laughs) they're here to conquer it, and comes back to Cortez, and he's like, what about chocolate beans? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's a very funny episode. I remember what you're talking about. For the listeners, Danny said there's an episode of I Love Lucy where they do the multiple translations. Yeah, because they're in... I think they're in Europe. Spain or Italy. Yeah, they're somewhere in Europe. And somebody is talking to Ricky. And then Ricky says it to somebody else. And then somebody else says it to Lucy. It's just back and forth. It's ridiculous. God, <laughs> I, love, I love Lucy. I love it. That's the name of the show. I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> okay. So then... So they have this game of telephone. And then Malinche discovers, like, a plot. There's a plot afoot. Mm-hmm. So natives of the Cholula tribe mm-hmm. were going to join forces with the Aztecs to attack the Spanish army. Because the Spanish army, don't know if you know, very fucking small. Mm-hmm. Like, what they had available in Mexico at the time, Yeah, I think, was less than 3,000. Yeah, but they got all those guns, germs, oh. and steel. Oh, I'm getting there. Don't you worry. <laughs> okay. So... Malinche tells this to Cortez. Snitch. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And even pretended to be cooperating with the native informants. Like, basically went to this woman and was like, this fucking Cortez guy, let me tell ya. She's like, don't worry. The guy's got a plan. They're gonna attack him, such and such. Spills the beans. Mm -hmm. And then Malinche goes back and tells Cortez. No. Yeah. Because of this, Cortez is like, oh, thanks for the, thanks for the intel. Turned the tables on them and slaughtered thousands of Cholulans. So she's often considered a traitor. Yeah. Because of this. Fair. Yeah. So she's called a traitor on account of the fact that she is a A traitor. traitor. (laughs) Indeed. So we're going to skip ahead a couple years. It's 1521, and long story short, there's this huge battle. Mm -hmm. Cortez has made allies with these less powerful tribes, Mm -hmm. okay? He brings cannons, warships, guns, and a tiny infantry of Spanish soldiers. Soldiers. (laughs) Can I say something? You said all of those words slightly wrong. Yeah. Did I really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll let it go. Oh, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. What did I say? Am I I just tripping over my own words? Kind of. What was the first thing you said? Cannons. It sounded like you said canyons. (laughs) And then you said warships. Warships. And it sounded like you said warships. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, what was the third? Guns. Guns was fine. Okay. (laughs) Which is when I was like, okay, I'll let her go. And then I said, in a tiny infantry of Spanish soldiers. Yeah, and then you said shoulders. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Look, let me try again. He brought cannons. Okay. (laughs) Warships. Mm. Guns. Guns. (laughs) Got that one. That's an easy one. 
and a tiny infantry of Spanish soldiers. There we go. <laughs> Unique New York. Red leather, yellow leather. Leather, leather, leather. I can't do that one. <laughs> okay. Also, neither of us had had anything to drink today. No. So that's probably why I'm much more eloquent when I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, okay. So shut your mouth. <laughs> But in addition to this, he brought somewhere between 80,000 and 200,000 allied warriors. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, the most powerful weapon and what severely impaired the Aztecs was, of course, smallpox. Yeah. You were right. So, because, yeah. look, they did it all over the place. Yeah. They're immune to it at this point. Mm-hmm. They've lived with it. Yeah, because they lived in filthy Europe. Exactly. <laughs> For all those years grew in immunity. But they brought smallpox and wiped a ton of Aztecs out and weakened mm-hmm. their armies by getting everyone fucking sick. I don't know if I've said this fun fact before, but when <laughs> colonists came over uh-huh. to Mexico and saw how dark they were uh-huh they tried to find a reason for it and the conclusion was that it's they bathed so much that they washed the white right out of their skin really yeah and the europe's were like look at these disgusting people bathing all the time <laughs> Ugh, i would never Ugh. and then <laughs> you know because they were so clean previously uh-huh. when these dirty folk came over disease gross left and right not good not good so Obviously, the Spanish won. Mm-hmm. And this was the the fall of Tenochtitlan, mm-hmm. which is now Mexico City. So this is when everything fucking came crashing down. Yeah. Okay. So in 1522, they have taken over Tenochtitlan, etc. Malinche had a son by Cortez. Mm. And his name uh, was Martin. And he is one of the very first children to be considered of the Mestizo heritage. Mm. So Mestizo, for anybody who doesn't know, means having both indigenous American and European ancestry. Yeah. So he's probably, if not the first, one of the very first people Mm -hmm. to ever have both of those ancestries. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little. Tell me, there was a lot of raping and pillaging. That's true. It was probably the first consensual, the first famous. Okay, maybe even maybe the first acknowledged. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that addendum. Okay, so she has Martine. Uh, she was continually used as an interpreter when rebellions happened. You know, had mm-hmm. to deal with little scuffles. On one trip to Honduras, Cortez, quote, suggested that she marry one of his captains named Juan Yarmio. Mm-hmm. They got married. No one is, like, really sure when Malinche died. Yeah. Um, since she kind of just disappears in history. There's some people who suggest that she died shortly after marrying Juan, like uh, 19, (laughs) like 1529-ish. But then there are some people who suggest that she was in letters up until like 1551. They were like, oh, she seems to be alive 
because mm-hmm. they're talking about her. But then in 1552, someone says something about her being dead. So nobody really knows. Okay. Her son, Martin, went back to Spain with Cortez. And she also had a daughter who was also Cortez's, but he doesn't fucking care. <laughs> um, so she was raised by Juan and his second wife, Beatriz. So that's the, that's the history of Malinche. Uh, the conquistadors would have not been nearly as successful mm-hmm. without her help. Yeah. Though some claim that she was a traitor, others, mainly the people who fought on Cortez's team. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And their, like, descendants uh, respect and, like, respect mm-hmm. her present. Story. Her story, yeah. thank you. In fact, one of her greatest skills was the ability to make other natives see, like, the choices mm-hmm. that they had. Uh, and those two choices are <laughs> essentially bend to Spanish supremacy. Yeah. Or fight against their fucking cannons and guns and warships mm-hmm. and die. Yeah. Which is... A shitty fucking choice to make, but I mm-hmm. think that's something that a lot of people overlooked because they see her specifically as a traitor who did no good. Yeah. So Malinche's image has become a mythical archetype that Hispanic American artists have represented in various forms of art. Her figure permeates historical, cultural, and social dimensions of Hispanic American cultures. In modern times and in several genres, she is compared with the La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Right. So is my the mermaid was exactly too. yeah. So La Llorona, and there was also one of the Malaysian ghosts mm-hmm. that is it, it basically the woman weeping at the river yeah. for her lost children. Yeah. It's, it's all folklore. revenge being... Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, she, you know, she's been compared with La Llorona, but she's also been compared with the Mexican sol, uh, soldaderas, mm-hmm. which are um, the women who fought beside men during the Mexican Revolution. Hmm. So, this is a pretty opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Con- right? Contentious. Contentious. Good word. Feminist interventions into the figure of Malinche began in the 1960s. The work of Rosario Castellanos, she was a Mexican poet and author who wrote about issues of cultural and gender oppression. Her her work was particularly significant. Chicanas began to refer to her as a, like, quote, mother. Mm-hmm. As they adopted her symbolism for, as a symbolism for duality and complex identity. Rosario's poem Malinche recast her not as a traitor, but as a victim. Mm. Mexican feminists defended Malinche as a woman caught between cultures, forced to make complex decisions, and who ultimately served as a mother of a new race. So... This last little bit, which kind of made me sad because I, I understand that there are two opposing views mm-hmm. of this woman and what she did. Yeah. Both good and bad. So in 1982, President Jose Lopez Portillo commissioned a statue of Malinche, Cortez, and their son, Martin. 
Okay. So she commi- he commissioned this bronze statue to be made. And it was placed in front of Cortez's house, which is like a, you know. Yeah. A, a monument. A monument whatever. thing now. Um, which is it's just outside of Mexico City. The statue was intended to be a respectful reminder of her trials and tribulations and to emphasize the importance of the mestizo character of the country. However, student protests erupted. Yeah. The protesters wanted no monument that presented La Malinche in a positive light, for in their minds, she was too closely associated with domination by outsiders and with betrayal. So once he left office, the sculpture was removed to just an obscure park somewhere in Mexico City. So yeah, she, and fun fact, the word malinchista Mm -hmm. is used to describe a disloyal compatriot Mm. in Mexico. Yeah. And so I just thought like listening to her story be like read in the book, I was like, wow, people like really, really have a love hate relationship with her. And so, it's under. I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> it is. It's very understandable. But it is, especially after talking about like Buffalo Calf Road Woman, mm-hmm. you know, a couple weeks ago, and then listening to her story. Yes, maybe some of her choices or things mm-hmm. that she did were not great. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like. She's trying to fucking survive. Yeah, we don't know what she was being put through exactly. as a slave. Exactly. We can we can read, you know, Spanish history books that say, oh, we treated her with respect and we called mm-hmm. her, you know, by, you know, this noble name. That doesn't mean that she wasn't being forced to do any number of things. Yeah. So I just thought she had a really great story. It's really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I've never, I'd never heard of her. No, me neither. It's a good book, I'm telling you. Everybody should go listen to it or read it. I say listen because I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all I got. I think that's all I got too. Great. Okay. So, if uh, you feel so compelled, if you enjoyed this, mm-hmm. if you like us, mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You can go and follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Facebook and Instagram at That Broad's Got Moxie. Excuse me, I just burped in the middle of that. <laughs> uh, what did I say? At That Broad's Got Moxie. And then on Twitter, we're at Broad's Got Moxie. We have an email address that you can send stuff to. Mm-hmm. And it is That Broad's Got Moxie at gmail.com. That's right. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, wherever you're listening to this. Yeah. You should really do it. We like, uh, it. It's been a, it's been a little while. It is. It's been a hot minute since we've gotten some feedback. Although, I tell you what, I just compiled a list of the countries where we have listeners from. Where? It's growing in numbers. It's <gasps> pretty fun. What? Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. It's good. Let's end this podcast and go look at it right now. Goodbye. Okay, bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete, produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. 
Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.